This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. It's Zuma Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, (laughs) and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Remember songs like Coana My House, Bocciami, Mambo Italiano, and Hey There? Well, they all belong to Rosemary Clooney. She also had success as a jazz vocalist. Now, Clooney's career languished in the 1960s, partly due to problems related to depression and drug addiction, but revived in 1977 when her White Christmas co-star, Bing Crosby, asked her to appear with him in a show marking his 50th anniversary in show business. She continued recording until her death in 2002. Tonight we reminisce as she was a special guest on Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy's show back in the 40s. Richard Hudnut of Fifth Avenue brings you the Edgar Bergen Show with Charlie McCarthy. It's Sunday night and time again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snurd, and Ray Noble and his orchestra. Brought to you by Richard Hudnut, makers of scientific hair preparation. Tonight our guest is the number one singing star, Rosemary Clooney. And now, celebrating Edgar Bergen Day in Decatur, Michigan, here is Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Ah, bless you all, bless you all for that applause. And to our new sponsor, Richard Hudnut, bless you for those checks. (laughs) Well, Charlie? Yeah? Here we are again. What an opening line. (laughs) Bergen, we're here to launch the season, not sink it. All right. (laughs) This is the first show of our 15th year on radio, and it gives me a warm feeling inside that we have chosen to do it right here in Decatur, Michigan, the very town where I gave my first performance. Isn't it sort of like uh, returning to the scene of the crime? No. (laughs) Just think Decatur. Decatur. I once walked barefoot down these streets. Yeah. You walked barefoot everywhere until you met me. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm so 
Sundays I would dress up in my Buster Brown collar and with my blonde locks streaming down over my shoulders. Yeah. Well, that stream dried up all right. <laughs> it's nice that you could get back here for your second childhood. Oh, no. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't give the people the impression that I'm old. At my last birthday, weren't there 35 candles on my cake? Well, there were on the piece I had, yes. <laughs> you keep pitching them, Bergen, and I'll keep knocking them out of the park. Yeah. Well, joke if you must, Charlie. But when I think of how nice these people have been to me, my friends, I, I sort of choke up. Well, I'd let you use my handkerchief, Bergen, but I, I got a dead beetle tied up in it all. <laughs> I'm proud of Decatur. Oh, it was in this very hamlet. Down, boy, down. All right. <laughs> this little hamlet certainly produced a big ham. All right. I am moved to make a speech at this time. How will I begin? Well, I'll talk about your operation. That's a good opening. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, sure drags, doesn't it? No. As I look into your smiling faces, who's smiling? Oh, I've seen happier faces on a dollar watch. All right. As I look into your smiling faces, I remember my life among you. I came here as a baby. Things were rough then. No talcum powder. No. <laughs> very theater in the silent picture days that I played a player piano. A player piano? Gad, what talent, dear. <laughs> On Delaware Street, there's a little church, and it was in the basement of that church that I gave my first performance. I, I did bird imitations. Bird imitations? Oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. And they were so natural, the birds loved me and followed me. Well, I've heard people say you were for the birds. <laughs> Yeah. Listen to this one. There. Uh-huh. You did it, didn't you? Yes, yes. Could you identify the bird? Well, now let me see. I would say, I would say that was a bald eagle crying for his toupee. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was it the making call of a pair of corduroy trousers? No. <laughs> it was the yellow-breasted sapsucker. No, red. Yes. Well, for your sake, I hope it was a female. Well, why? Well, you'll never be able to explain the egg you just laid. Oh. All right, so maybe I laid an egg. But I'm glad I'm here. You know, it feels good to be back home in Michigan. It's just like that song, remember? I want to go back on the farm with a milk pail on my arm. Doing what I did again back in Michigan. <laughs> you going to say hello to me? No. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah of course, naturally. Uh, hello there. Hello there, Mr. Uh, 
Uh, well, 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 hello there. Uh, Mr. Uh, oh, come, come. Oh, uh, Mr. Uh, oh, oh, you know. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. 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 Come, come now, your mind is wandering. Well, that's okay. Leave it alone, and it'll come home. Dickery, dickery, doc. No, no. Well, did anything happen this summer on your farm? Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, McCall Bessie had a calf. Uh-huh. Boy or girl? Well, I guess Bessie's a girl, or she couldn't have had a calf. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Seems to figure out that way. Yeah. <laughs> vacation time goes fast, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes, all right. Yeah. Say, hey, Mr. Bergen, who was that feller bellering about beauty as I came in here? Oh, well, that was Bill Baldwin. Yeah? Yes. Name sounds familiar. Has he had it long? Oh, yeah. He was talking about Richard Hudnut. Yeah. Well, you can see he's the gossipy type, yeah. <laughs> Bill was doing a commercial. Oh, he was? Yes. You see, a commercial serves to tell the audience about the sponsor's product. Well, now, that sounds real clever. You wonder why somebody hasn't thought about that before. Oh. Do you know who our sponsor is? Well, I think I caught the name was uh, Mr. Walnut. No, no, no. <laughs> Butternut. No, no, no. It's Richard Hudnut. Bill, yeah, that's a fellow. Yeah. He's our sponsor. Of course, you know what a sponsor is. Oh, it's the husband of the spinster. No, no. <laughs> pays for the program. Well, bless his heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hudnut does so because he wants to tell the people about Richard Hudnut, home permanent wave. Well, what's that for? To make your home wavy? No, no. <laughs> no, it's so a girl can fix her hair at home to be attractive and wavy. I saw a girl once, her hair was straight and uh, her scalp was wavy. Is that true? <laughs> well, perhaps her hair was straight because she failed to use a home permanent that had special neutralizer. Maybe so, I don't know. Yeah. You see, the Richard Hudnut Home Permanent has a neutralizing agent. You know how it works. Well, yeah. The agent comes to the girl's house and uh, neutralizes her. Oh, no. <laughs> Neutralization is a scientific process that safeguards and preserves the natural vitality and the resilience of the hair. Oh, no! By the way, Mortimer, you have very attractive hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been growing hair for nigh on to 14 years. <laughs> What's the secret of your beautiful hair? Well, you saddle soap. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, next time I suggest you try Richard Hudnut shampoo. Girls all over the world use that product. Well, why? Why? Well, because, well, confidentially, it helps them to catch a man. You mean the Hudnut stuff helps them run faster? Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's because it makes them look more beautiful. Oh. And remember the old saying? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, what? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> a thing of beauty... A thing of beauty is... Is what? Well, it ain't me. I know that. <laughs> well, I think I'll go home and put some of that shampoodle on my noodle. Well, toodle-oodle. <laughs>
During our 15 years in radio, Charlie and I have had the pleasure of working with many fine singers. The young lady I'm about to introduce now, in the short space of a few years, has established herself as one of the all-time greats. Her record sales are, well, to coin a phrase, record sales. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Miss Rosemary Clooney. As I love you, you wouldn't worry me half as much as you do. You're nice to me when there's no one else around. You only. Build me up to let me down. If you miss me half as much as I miss you, you wouldn't stay away half as much as you do. I know that I would never be this blue If you only loved me half as much as I love you If you missed me Half as much as I miss you, you wouldn't stay away half as much as you do. I know that I would never be this If you only loved me half as much as I Rosemary, lovely. I was just thinking, uh, when the show's over, how about joining me in a little stroll down Lover's Lane? How do you know this town has a Lover's Lane? After we're through, that's what they'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie, I like you. You do, huh? Putty, putty, putty. But you see, I'm a woman. Yeah. Well, even Eisenhower and Stevenson would agree on that. <laughs> Hello, Rosemary. Hello, Charlie. Yeah, hello. I've been having such a splendid time talking to my old friend. Yeah. My, how they love me. Oh, sure, sure. Bertie, do you want to know what the people in this town really think of you? Well, certainly. Well, I found out. How? Well, I wormed them out of the... Out of the... <laughs> <laughs> 
recharged, sir. How? <laughs> oh. I wormed it out of him with my tape recorder. Tape worm the coffee, they called me. Uh-huh. So you talked to my old friends about me. Uh-huh. Oh, I'd love to hear those interviews. I probably will blush a little. Oh, boy. Are you asking for it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Bertie, Ray Noble and I sort of made a production of it. Music and everything. And here it goes. And... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the voices you are about to hear are real voices. They are the voices of Bergen's friends. And his enemies. Who outnumber his friends. <laughs> the school teacher who taught him figures. The girl next door. Who also taught him figures. <laughs> this is Bergen the boy. Who grew into a man. Why well, say, you know, we had exactly the same arrangement in England. <laughs> the first person interviewed was Bergen's old girlfriend. <laughs> You know, Charles, looking up Edgar's old girlfriend makes me feel a bit sentimental. Someday I'm going back to England to the girl that I left behind. Is she waiting for you? Well, I'm not exactly sure, old boy. She's married now and has ten children, you see. <laughs> I won't believe we're through till I hear it from her own lips. <laughs> well, the girl had to do something while she was waiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is the place, Blossom McDougal. I say, Charles, I'm key to a concert pitch. Edgar's <laughs> <laughs> always talked of how beautiful Blossom was. Oh, quite, quite. Someone's coming. Oh, boy. <laughs> Rick, don't let it crawl back in the sink. It'll fly to me. I'm afraid there's been some mistake, you know. Uh, we're looking for Blossom. Oh, yeah, I'm Blossom. You've certainly gone to Pops. Oh, well, you're kind of a seedy pair yourself. Well, old girl, when I do mean old girl, <laughs> we're here to get your memories of Edgar Bergen, you see. Bergen? Uh-huh. Edgar Bergen? Yes. Never heard of him. <laughs> Your left an impression. <laughs> I see, when I was young, I had so many boyfriends. Sam, Joe, Harry, Tom, Phil, George. <laughs> They'd all sit around begging for my kisses. Uh, really? Yeah. Fellas, where are you now that I need you? <laughs> uh, this might help you to recognize Edgar. Uh, here's a recent picture we have of him. Oh, let's see. Yes, uh-huh. sir. Oh, what a horrible way to go. <laughs> I knew I remember him. Egghead, the silent sweet. <laughs> Bergen said it was a big romance you two had. He did? Yeah. When Edgar came over to see me, all he did was sit around squeaking his high-button shoes. <laughs> so I finally said, Father has his bank turned. Now's your chance to steal a kiss. What did he do? He kissed Father. <laughs> Good old Egghead. Now, Charlie, that's not true. Blossom was crazy about me. The next voice you hear is that of one of the town's ex-mayors. How do you do, Mr. Mayor? Uh, We should like to ask a favor of you. Boys, you've come to the right party. Uh 
From the rock-bound coast of Maine to the sunny slops of California. <laughs> the name of honest Mike Perry stands for honesty, integrity, and devotion to this great community. If you want a traffic ticket fixed, it'll cost you two bucks. Now, look loose and quivery. That's not what we came to see you about. Well, if it's those stories about honest Mike taking graft, they're lies. I know that after two years in office on a salary of 2000 a year, I retired with over $90,000 in the bank. <laughs> but I can explain it. How? My wife was a very thrifty shopper. <laughs> The old girl must have run into some smashing bargains, though. No insinuations, brush lip. <laughs> of course, I did make a little money out of the new fire alarm boxes I installed. You had to put a quarter in before you pulled the lever. Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Well, the fire engine didn't come till you got two plums and a cherry. <laughs> get down to business now. You see, we're here to get your recollections of Edgar Bergen. Bergen? Uh-huh. Edgar Bergen? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does he do? Well, he's my partner. Oh, he's in the lumber business. Eh? <laughs> now, look, Lumpy. Oh, wait a minute, now. Uh, surely you must remember Edgar Bergen. Oh, yes, indeed. Why, 20 years ago, on Arbor Day, we planted a tree in his honor. It was so weak, we had to put a stick in the ground beside it. Did the tree live? No, the tree died, but the stick grew. What happened to the stick? Young man, did Bergen ever tell you how you happened to be? Well, that doesn't. I'll listen, guys. Uh, no. So, before we leave, do you have any other recollections of Edgar? Yes, I remember he did get into a little scrape with the police. Uh-huh. He drove a car that wasn't his. Did, did he steal a car? Well, not exactly. Uh-huh. You see, he found it parked in front of a cemetery, and he figured the owner was dead. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mayor. The next person we interviewed was Bergen's old school teacher. She's 87 years old and retired now. Good afternoon, madam. We'd like to talk to you about Bergen. Oh, thanks. I'll have one. Have one bergen? Oh, I thought you said a shot of bourbon. (laughs) My doctor says that for my health, I should have just a wee drop before going to bed. I see. You know something? I find myself going to bed four or five times a night. Chaser. <laughs> uh, perhaps we didn't make ourselves quite clear. Uh, we should like to hear your recollections of Edgar Bergen, you see. Bergen? Yes. Uh, was he the little boy who dropped the live frog down my bottle? Before I got it out, I'd erased half the blackboard. <laughs> Well, I was something with my guided missile spitballs. Well, that doesn't sound exactly like Edgar. Tell us what kind of a pupil was Edgar. Oh, Edgar was very good in... Uh, oh, he was excellent in... Uh, oh, he got good marks in... Uh, he was a dope. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. The prosecution rests. <laughs> I don't understand it. Those people... Well, I guess we did a good job impersonating those people. I hope Edgar falls for it. Turn that off, Ray. Hey, he's really... Uh-huh. So that's it, Charlie. It was all a fake. You hired actors to record all that slander about me. <laughs> Charlie, why? Why did you have to play a trick like that on our 15th anniversary? Begging? If it wasn't for tricks like that, we wouldn't have a 15th anniversary. <laughs> Now, here is our lovely guest, Rosemary Clooney, with her second song of the evening, Looking for a Boy. I am just a little girl who's looking for a little boy, who's looking for a girl. Tell me, please, where can he be? The loving he will bring to me the harmony I'm dreaming of. It'll be goodbye. My guardian angel's holding out on me. So I'm looking for a boy. But five foot six or seven. And won't be happy till I'm on his knees. I'll be blue until he comes my way. Hope he'll take the cue. When I am saved, I am just a little girl who's looking for a little boy, who's looking for a girl to Edgar Bergen will be back in a moment. Shine up your hair. Get the shampoo with shine in it. Richard Hutnut Enriched Cream Shampoo. Shine. 
Richard Hutnut shampoo shines up dull hair. Makes use of nature's own beauty secret, real egg formula. Egg is a natural beautifier for dry, dull hair. Scientists agree about that. And when you use Richard Hudnut Enriched Cream Shampoo, you get the natural benefits of real egg formula. How it shines up dull, drab hair. That's why the beauty experts at the Richard Hudnut Fifth Avenue Beauty Salon say, this is the shampoo with shine in it. You'll love using it. It's a smooth, fragrant, liquid cream. And it makes your hair so shiny, so soft. So manageable. Shine up With Richard Hudnut Enriched Cream Shampoo. Oh, Mr. Baldwin, I just brought in two dozen eggs from the farm for Mr. Hudnut to use in his shampoo. Oh, well, that, that, that's wonderful, oh, sure, Mortimer. Sure, yeah. By the way, how much are you uh, asking for your eggs today? Well, I'm asking 60 cents a dozen for the big ones and 70 cents for the small ones. <laughs> but, but why do you ask more for the small ones? Small ones are harder to find. Oh, Mortimer. <laughs> Charlie, this is my old friend, Dr. Bope, who took care of my aches and pains when I was in grammar school. Uh, you know, Doctor, I've heard a lot about Decatur from Bergen. Why is it people from small towns are so proud of it? Well, Charlie, it may be the feeling that in a small town such as ours, where everybody knows all his neighbors, there is no such a thing as being ignored. Everybody is not only a person, but in this way, a personage. We never said there was that boy playing the piano at the show last night. We said that Bergen boy. This belonging and sharing is the precious heritage of all small towns. Heritage that has produced many of our greatest Americans to derive their philosophy from this democratic condition. Sunday is Fun Day on CBS. This is the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for X-1 next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for X-1. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X! X, 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 X
minus one. Tonight's story, No Contact. It was in the year of 1982 that spacemen first discovered the great galactic barrier. In the past ten years, rocket travel to the moon and the nearer planets had become commonplace. And then men fixed their sights on a more distant star, the remote planet known as Volta. Five exploratory ships went out, and none came back, each in turn disappearing mysteriously at the same vanishing point, at an invisible wall somewhere in the vast outer reaches that became known as the wrecker of spaceships, the Galactic Reef. And yet, the explorers refused to admit defeat. It was on June the 2nd, 1987, that the rocket Star Cloud made ready for takeoff, the sixth to attempt to crack the barrier and win through to Volta. Now hear this. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Well, Lewis, this is it. I don't suppose you'll be needing the ship's doctor up here on the bridge during blast off. I think not, Smitty. There's little chance of acceleration bends in these new overdrive ships. I'll be in my office then, counting vitamin pills if you need me. It's only a few steps. Good luck, Lewis. Thank you, Smitty. Uh, Lieutenant Collier. Uh, yes, sir. You're relieved. You'd better get down to navigation control and take over. Yes, sir. Uh, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. We've never flown together before. This is your first flight in a space vessel as big as the Star Cloud. Yes, sir, but I was trained in oversized jobs at the Naval Academy. Well, if you're half as good a navigator as your father was, you'll do fine. Thank you, sir. Did you ship out with my father? I served under him on one of the first rocket runs to the moon. I see. I almost went along on his last trip to the barrier. Um, too bad about that. Yes, sir. That's all, Collier. Paulison. Get me the ground control tower on the field. I want to talk to Colonel Harrison. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. I've patched in the bridge speaker. Colonel Harrison? Yes, Captain. We're standing by for takeoff in 30 seconds. Good. The field's cleared of all personnel. We'll try to reestablish radio contact immediately after takeoff. In any event, there'll be a 24-hour ground monitor. Fine. Good luck. Hope you make it. Thank you. Bridge to navigation control. Have control. Call you up. Ready, Lieutenant? This is in the integrator for takeoff at 1,200 hours. All right. Stand by for blastoff. Bridge to engine room. Fire up your rocket chambers. Take off at exactly 1,200 hours. I'll read you off. 20 seconds. 19. 18. 17. 16. Hold it. Revoke all orders. Who turned in that alarm? Paulson, sir. We've uncovered a stowaway. Stowaway? Where? Have him brought up to the bridge. Engine room, kill your rockets and stand by. Thorson, this is Colonel Harrison in ground control. What's holding you up? Trouble. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? There's a stowaway aboard. Stowaway? Yes, I thought your men were supposed to police this base. What's the All matter right, with you? Captain, take it easy. You know what this delay can do to us, don't you? One minute later, takeoff can throw us a million miles off course. We'll have to reintegrate the whole works. Well, look, how long do you think it'll take Don't bother to... for me for a while. I'm busy. Stupid idiot. Captain Thorson? Yes, come in, Smitty. 
Here's your stove. I'll port marshal the... Oh, Charlie. Can you use a good radio man, Skipper? Well, I see you two have met. Met? Skipper and me made 50 trips to the moon together. Didn't we, Skipper? Charlie, if you wanted to come along, why didn't you volunteer? I did, Skipper. They they turned me down. What's wrong with you? Acceleration bends. They said my arteries wouldn't stand another trip. I'm sorry to hear that. But they're wrong, Skipper. I, I got one more good trip in me. Listen, Skipper, you, you you know that these green kids, they don't know the first thing about space radio operation. Now, you, you put a man like me on and out, I'll be getting you bedtime stories from Mars. Charlie, you know the regulations as well as I do. I can't take you much as I'd like to. Colonel Harrison will murder me for this. Well, I'm sorry, Charlie. I'll have you put a ground. I'll tell you what, I'll ask Harrison to put you on his ground radio contact, and it'll seem as if you're right here with us. He won't do it, sir. Well, he'd better. I'll have him busted to Corporal for letting you sneak aboard. Look, Charlie, you... Look, you'd better be off. Uh, Paulison. Yes, sir. I'm sending this man aground. Give him time to clear the launching platform. Yes, sir. So long, Charlie. I'm, I'm sorry. Good luck, Skipper. I thought you were going to have him drawn and quartered. If it had been anyone else, I would have, Smitty. But Charlie, well, he's kind of special. He's been with me since my first command when we began the regular run to the moon. And if he wanted to come along this time, well, it's only through loyalty to me. You know, Lewis, I didn't realize it before, but you're almost human. Captain Dawson, Nav Control, call you. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, how badly are we fouled up? Can you recalculate the course, or shall I cancel the takeoff? I've already plotted a new course on the integrator, sir. If we take off in exactly 30 seconds, we'll need to correct for only a one-degree deflection. I can do that before we breach the stratosphere. That's quick work. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Positive, sir. All right, Collier. I'm putting it in your hands. We'll blast off on your signal. Bridge to engine room. Prepare to blast off on navigator's signal. How are we doing, Collier? Coming on the bearing, sir. That's four, three, two, zero. We've intersected the course vector. Good work, Collier. Course is corrected, sir. We're ready to go into atomic overdrive anytime you say. All right. Stand by. Yes, sir. Now hear this. Now hear this. Prepare for maximum acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Kill your rockets. Rockets out. Fire up number one cyclotron. Number one ready. Fire up number two. Number two ready. Withdraw your dampening rods. Go into overdrive at the count of zero. Three seconds, Mr. Collier. Three, two, two, one, one, zero, zero. How are we doing, Collier? On course, sir. She's running hot and true. My compliments, Lieutenant. This job would have done your father credit, and he was the best navigation officer I ever saw. Oh, thank you, sir. Start your gyros. Put her on robot control. All right, the bridge is yours, Mr. Collier. If you need me, I'll be in Dr. Smithson's office. Yes, sir. Shh. 
Yes. You got us off the ground. You can thank young Collier for that. Chip off the old block. You knew his father? As a matter of fact, I knew him very well. First-rate spaceman. Is he the one Yes, yes. He was lost in the galactic barrier on the second ship we sent out to Volta. Lewis, just what do you think this galactic barrier is? Your guess is as good as mine, Doc. All I know is that five ships have gone into it, and none of them have come back out. You think it's a nit? How about Mestrovic's theory that it's a time warp in space? That the ships reach it and slip into another dimension? I think that's a lot of rubbish. My theory is that the galactic barrier is nothing more than a radioactive layer of some kind. Why do you say that? Well, we know that radar signals bounce off it like they were hitting an invisible glass wall. And we know that it destroys our ships and crews in some way. There's no other logical explanation. What makes you think we can get through it, Lewis? Because we're ready for it. The others weren't. The entire hull of this ship is completely shielded with lead. We can crack through any radioactive cloud ever detected. Besides, we're equipped with some new UHF radio devices that should enable us to maintain radio contact with Earth. Nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing. Now, who are you trying to convince? (laughs) Well, myself, I suppose. Lewis, you've had your share of glory. First skipper to reach the moon back in 1962. You could have retired. Why are you risking this trip? Five ships are missing. Men like Prentice, Margotson, young Collier's father. I'm tired of seeing good men fed into that meat chopper. Then why are we going to Volta? We haven't any choice, Smitty. We're in a race, the kind of race where men and ships are expendable. According to the Interspace Code, the First Nation to reach Volta can claim it. Well, personally, I want no part of it. Now, I'll have to play physician, morale builder, and mother substitute for 112 slightly nervous men. And your morale doesn't sound too good, Doc. As morale officer, I can state without fear of contradiction, it is terrible. And something tells me as we approach that galactic barrier, I'm not going to be alone. Hello, Earth. Captain Thorson of the Star Cloud calling Earth. Hello, Star Cloud. Hi, Captain. Charlie! Well, I see they haven't court-martialed you yet. No, sir, thanks to you. Well, it's good to hear you. You can read us the funny papers on Sunday morning. All right. Now, how's our signal? Strong. Clear as a bell. Now, here's our log report for Colonel Harris. Are you ready? Shoot. June 2nd, 1987. Four weeks out from Earth. Running through. No radiation. Operation normal. Still making our approach to the galactic barrier. That's all, Charlie. See you later. Good luck, Captain. I sure wish I was with you. How's the morale, Smitty? The men know we're getting closer to the barrier. They're beginning to show a little tension, Lewis. Well, how's their physical condition? Any sickness? About half the crew has come down with space blues. Ah, I was afraid of that. Are they bad? Same as usual. Lips and hands with a bluish cast. Eyes are sensitive to infrared. I don't know. When I first started flying these tin cans, nobody ever heard of space blues. Well, now there's a theory it's caused by the terrific acceleration of atomic overdrive. Change in gravity affects the circulation. Hmm. What do you think? I think it's psychosomatic. I've noticed that the same men who get space blues under tension on a ship tend to get blue coloration back on Earth when they're upset. I guess it's just an occupational disease of space nerves. Uh-huh. Do you think it's just uh, nerves, then? Well, young Collier's got a bad case. I, I think it's tension from overwork. Maybe he needs some vitamins. Lewis, when will you realize that vitamins are not a panacea for all the troubles of mankind? Thank you.
Sir. I understand that you've relieved me from duty. Well, Dr. Smithson says you aren't looking very well, Collier. I'm giving you a rest. Sir, I feel perfectly able to continue. Your lips are as blue as Minnetonka. Captain, I'd like to remain at my post. Don't be foolhardy, Lieutenant. I'm not being foolhardy, sir. I have a special personal reason for wanting this expedition to reach Volta. Your father? Yes, sir. You think he might still be alive? I have to find out what happened, sir. I, I I think I understand. Very well, Collier. Report back to duty. What's the reading policy? Uh, we're getting a plus five radar bounce now. Coming off the barrier almost as fast as we sent it out. What's the interval? Two seconds. Shortening steadily. This rate will hit the wall in the next few minutes. All right. Alert the crew. Sound general quarters. Now, hear this. Condition red. We are now approaching the galactic barrier. All hands to stations. All radiation detectors to be fully manned. Full security will prevail until further notice. That is all. Uh, Policy. Yes, sir. The radar bounces up to plus six. We'd better try to make final contact with Earth. Is Spark still trying to raise the base? Yes, sir, but he's not having much luck. Huh? Seems to be some interference. Uh, that's the radio room now. Yes? You got him? Well, cut in on the bridge speaker. Captain will take it from here. Hello? Star Cloud to Earth. Can you hear me, Earth? Hello, Skipper. I can barely read you. We're getting heavy static from Sunspot. That's not Sunspots, Charlie. We're right on top of the galactic barrier. Getting a plus... No, a plus seven radar bounce. Expect to hit the barrier almost any second now. Good luck, Skipper. If we crack the barrier and come through still in one piece, I'll try to get back to you on the high-frequency band. Gotcha, Skipper. Don't worry. I'll be waiting. So long, Charlie. So long, Star Cloud. Must be getting awfully close now, Captain. Echo's bouncing back so fast it's almost beating the signal. Well, when they go inside, hold on to your hat. That's when we run into the wall. Any second. Hold on. Well, here goes nothing. Here it comes. Captain. <laughs> nothing happened. We, we made it. We made it, Captain. No radiation, no time warp, no nothing. Now, the, the crew's gone crazy, sir. Let them. They've earned it. Doc, can you break out a few bottles of snake bite serum for medicinal purposes? I sure can, Lord. This calls for a celebration. How's your morale now? It couldn't be better. How's yours? Couldn't be better. The... Condition red. Condition red. Condition red. Radiation detected. Condition red. Radiation detected. Holy mackerel. Look at the needle on that indicator. Mollison. Mollison. Yes, I see it, Captain. Picking radiation like crazy. What's it like? That's well, a strong impulse. What kind? I don't know. It's too long for a cosmic ray, too short for UHF. Whatever it is, sir, the ship is lousy. Well, we'll track it down, triangulate it, and make it fast. I want a directional fix. Yes, sir. Engine room. Yes, sir. We're picking up radioactivity. Is the fission chambers? No leak here, sir. Check your gauges. Nothing here, Captain. Must be coming from outside. Damage control. Is our lead shield leaking radiation? Well, keep at it. Paulison, how are you doing? I've got a fix, Captain. Well, what is it? Well, I'll have to recheck my figures. Oh, hurry it up. 
angle is correct, but I... Come on, man, for Pete's sake, where's the radiation coming from? Sir, it's it's coming from inside the ship. That's impossible. No, sir, I've checked it twice. Well, it's got to be the engines, then. If it is, sir, we're finished. Engine room. Yes, sir. That radiation must be in the overdrive pile. No, sir, it isn't here, sir. Are you certain? Yes, sir. All right, keep checking. There's only one thing left to do. Paulison, get a Geiger counter. We're going to start combing this ship inch by inch. Yes, sir. All right, turn it on. Yes, sir. All right. Ready, Captain. We'll check the atomic guns first. Come on. We'll uh, cut through the officer's quarters here to ordnance. I'll turn here. Well, wait a minute, sir. Huh? What is it? The signal's weaker now. Yeah. Let's go back. Hold it. Hold it. Seems strongest right about here. Well, it doesn't make sense. Whose cabin is this? Lieutenant Collier's. Collier? Oh, he's down in the nap control, sir. Oh, I'll try the door. It's not locked, sir. Oh, it's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked, I'll sir. I'll smash it. Shut off that Geiger counter. Now, what do you make of this, Paulus? Hmm. It looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufactured. I, I, I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabin? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Paulison. Get down to nav control and bring Collier up to the bridge on the double. Well, hadn't we better find some way to shut this thing off first? I know a way. <laughs> Lieutenant Collier, I'm going to ask a few simple questions, and I want a few simple answers. Yes, sir. What were you doing with a transmitter in your cabin? Transmitter, Captain? Oh, you know nothing about it. No, sir, I don't. Do you recognize these calibration symbols? No, sir. Can you think of how it might have been placed in your cabin without your knowing it? No, sir, unless someone came in while I was on duty. Would that have been possible? I suppose so, if someone had a key. I found your cabin door unlocked. Well, I meant a key to the wall cabin. I didn't say the wall cabinet. Well, I... Uh... You what, Lieutenant? How could you have known it was in the wall cabinet? Well, I just assumed, sir. Lieutenant Collier, I find it hard to believe you would lie. Having known and respected your father. Having observed the way you handle your job. However, I intend to get to the root of this thing. May I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Paulison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter, how do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? Well, I... I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom were you sending those signals? Condition red! Condition red! There's your answer, Captain. What is this, Collier? Alien spaceship approach! Alien spaceship approach! Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk! Very well, Captain. My mission seems completed. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I'm stating it's what nation? No nation, Captain. What? I am an agent of the Voltan government. Oh, what? The government of the planet of Voltan. You're crazy. Are you so stupid, Captain? Did you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe you. What do you think happened to those five ships, Captain? 
Where do you suppose we got our information? Your language, your culture, family background. Uh, appearance, you, you look like... Like Commander Collier? Well, is that so surprising, Captain? You see, Captain, we had a living model. I ought to kill you. That would be very foolish, Captain. I would advise you to surrender without delay. Alien ship now coming in water's range. I'll deal with you later, Collier Paulison. Yes, sir. Put this man in irons, take him away. Don't worry, sir. We'll take good care of him. Carpenter! <laughs> Gunnery. Gunnery Richardson. What's the range? 10,000 meters. They're closing fast. Put your guns on radar tracking. Tracking. Coming on the bearing. Fire. Fire, Richardson. Richardson, did you hear me? Fire! What's the matter down there? Did you hear me? Richardson, answer me. It's no what? use to shout, Captain. Collier, how did you get loose? Where's Paulison? Lieutenant Paulison is dead. All stations! Lieutenant Collier has escaped! Seize him, men! Don't waste your breath. Your men can't hear you, Captain. What? Those still alive are my men. You're lying! No, Captain. Every ship that has ever left Earth was controlled by a Voltan crew. That's impossible. Those were hand-picked men. Hand-picked by us. I don't believe you. No? Then why not call for help? Carpenter, Robinson, Haley, report. You see, Captain? Captain. Carpenter! Robinson! Haley! It's quite useless, Captain. I would advise you to sit very quietly and do nothing. Very well, Collier. You beaten us. What now? The ship will be taken to Volta for, shall we say, further experimentation. I see. Of course, there's one thing you hadn't counted on. Just what is that, Captain? Listen! Carpenter! Are you in there, Lieutenant Carpenter? They can't all be dead. There must be one alive. Smitty! Dr. Smithson! Smitty! Smitty! What have they done to him? Oh, dirty... I, I, I don't talk. I must lean, lean closer. It's not much time. Lewis, space blues. Space blues? What is it, Smitty? What are you trying to tell me? All men with space blues. Voltans. Hello, let me help you. Oh, Lewis, get message back to Earth. Voltan fifth column. Watch out for it. Please. Oh, Smitty. Oh, Smitty. Captain Thorson. Captain Thorson, you can't hide from us now. Come back to the bridge and surrender. Or my men will come and get you. Hello. Hello. Star Cloud calling Earth. Please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello? Star Cloud to Earth. 
Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello. Hello. Starcrow to Earth. Captain Lawson calling. Charlie, come in, please. Hurry. Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you? Are you getting my signal? It's coming in a little louder now, Skip. Keep sending. Oh, my God. Now, look, Charlie, listen to me. Not much time. Get word to Colonel Harrison. Crew mutinied. Most of crew members, Fultons. What? Fultons. Spell that. V-O-L. Fultons. That's right. They're from the planet Volta. Skipper. Skipper, are you all right? Now, Charlie, this is serious. They'll be here any second. Now, listen. They have a fifth column on Earth. They're planning to invade you. You mean it? Of course I mean it. Tell Harrison, posing as humans. You can detect them by space blues. You got that? Only Fultons get space blue. Charlie, did you hear me? Space blue. I get you. Come in again, Charlie. I'm defending you. Warn everybody. Captain. They've opened the door. So long, Charlie. Tell Hannah. Captain. <laughs> Captain Thorson. Hello. Hello, Star Cloud. What's the trouble, Sergeant? I was just trying to raise a star cloud, Colonel. I had any luck? No, sir. No contact. No contact, eh? No, sir. Mm, nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get a message back. No, sir. Neither do I. Oh, all right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, you you do that, sir. It's all yours. Right. Oh, and Charlie, uh, you better go out and get yourself some coffee. You look a little blue around the gills. Tonight, X-1 has brought you No Contact, written by George Lefferts from an original story of Lefferts and Ernest Kinoy. Featured in the cast were Louis Van Ruten as Captain, Donald Buca as Collier, Wendell Holmes as Charlie, and Bill Griffiths, Bill Smith, Matt Crowley, and Ken Williams. Your announcer, Don Pardo. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Burns and Allen, followed by Philip Marlowe. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's Mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.